Welcome to the National Hour. We're real Kipper and Bourne. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. We are live and in color on Sportsnet and available on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary and Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. We'll get the Vancouver Canucks set in about an hour to face the Philadelphia Flyers. Mike Halford will co-host of Halford and, and Bruff will join us. And of course, as always, this hour of Real Kipper and Born brought to you by Bet365. All right, boys. Good, good job, Kipper. Does the Vancouver Canucks go 3-0 and tonight against Philadelphia? They wanted to talk about Corey Perry. Well, we will, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, nine games on tap, as, yeah. w- as I mentioned uh, right after our show. Puck drop in Philadelphia. Yeah, what's going on? Six o'clock puck drop? Okay. Yeah, six Eastern in Philadelphia. Like, what? Oh, is it baseball, Sammy? Oh, Phillies related? Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be it. Yeah. Be quite... they, play, they play at 8.07 tonight, I think. Yeah. So that would be what they were doing. How's the traffic in that neck of the woods in Philly? God, that's... Ugh. So, not to do too much baseball, but the starting pitcher for the Diamondbacks tonight, I forget his first name. His last name's Merrill. He did an availability this morning. It was like, you know... Talking about how loud the park is in Philly, and he's like, "Well, you know, I've I was pitching in Venezuela, and it was really loud there, so I'm kind of used to this sort of like. Why do guys say this? Kind I of know, thing? yeah. Are you, I'm not afraid. Of Jose Philly ba- fans, like Jose Bautista, when he was talking, he's like, "Oh, that guy's shaking in his booties when he was like," and then he goes out there and don't say stuff like that before the game. Bolton board material. I'm with you. Believe in that stuff. We did have a, a a trade, albeit minor, and I don't know whether or not any of these guys will play or. Uh, or end up being sent to the American Hockey League. But for what it's worth, uh, Mark Friedman seems to be kind of the most NHL-ready uh, mm-hmm. with his stint uh, in Pittsburgh. And, of course, we remember him best because uh, he reminds us of Elliot. Yeah, anytime – because he's been on waivers a few times. And Friedman <laughs> – Fridge has tweeted out that Friedman's on waivers. Yeah. It's like, are you, are you, have you been fired? What happened? <laughs> yeah, he's on waivers. But that, um, that Rathbone, they liked him a lot when they drafted him, Vancouver yeah. did. A really good skater. Like, really good. Uh, just hasn't worked out. Spent a lot of time in the American League. And yeah, I think he's only played 20 NHL games or something like that. So It's a great name. Jack Rathbone. Jack Rathbone. It's a really strong yeah. name. Uh, yeah, yeah. Name, that's like, my that's my only character. T- that's my only take on it. <laughs> strong name. We'll get uh, Halford to uh, to chime in uh, momentarily, but uh, so far, at least when you think about uh, a Mark Friedman or an Ian Cole, it's not hard to see what kind of is a Rick Tockett kind of guy. Big, yeah. strong, just stand in the right spots and. Uh, and, and win your battles. I mean, you need some of those guys. We've talked about it in the first hour, talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. You'd like to have a couple guys who just play their position, play defense, and let your talented players be talented. And so, sure, if that's what the Canucks want to have, maybe this is another one for them. Because they do have the elite guys, right? Quinn Hughes and Besser and Pedersen. These guys can make plays for them. So, yeah, Vancouver, I kind of like what's going on there, can, Rick Tockett. Can, can we see, like, it's an 82-game schedule. Can can we read anything into the first couple of wins against Edmonton? I know uh, on our last night's national panel show, uh, led by uh, our trustworthy uh, David Amber, I think mm-hmm. one of the questions was, okay, can Vancouver make the playoffs this year? I got a good start. Was got that too, too soon? Can you, read, can you read anything out of the first two games? 
well, to th- suggest that they can hang in there. Here's what I will read. Yes. It's better to be 2-0 and against Edmonton than 0-2. <laughs> so, like, well, there you go. I mean, they got four points instead of zero. Not so bad. it's a good start. To, it's a good start. All right. As we uh, leave it on that note, we'll welcome in uh, Mike Halford from uh, Halford and, and Bruff on Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. So, hey, uh, good place for you to start, Mike. Uh, what can we read out of two games Two regula- uh, regulation wins against Edmonton moving forward here. We're all just trying to temper enthusiasm to your voice. <laughs> Come on. Go- tell no, us. They're going to make the it's conference been, it's finals. A, it's, yeah, it's been uh, great. I think a lot of the reason that it's been great is because there was so much trepidation and anxiety and nerves going into the season because there was so much importance placed on the season. I mean, the Canucks you know, bent over backwards to – make this push and this goal to have everything ready for this referendum season. You know, Thatcher Demko is calling it a do-or-die season for this group. So they do the Oliver Eckman larsen buyout and kick that box, and they name Quinn Hughes captain and get that distraction out of the way. And they sort of put the Elias Pettersson contract situation aside by saying they're not going to deal with it until the end of the season. So they were all ready to go, and then we got a bunch of wobbles in the preseason the Susie injury, that ten nothing loss to Calgary to open it up, and people were people were genuinely nervous, like they didn't know what to expect. And then to come out and that opener, the eight one win over Edmonton. I'm trying to put like uh, the annals of power rankings of most unlikely Canucks performances of all time. Like no one had that, no one saw that coming, and I think a lot of people thought that they were going to get their comeuppance on Saturday. But kudos to the group for sticking tough and I mean although getting outplayed getting another win and now it's all really good vibes which is a very odd and not common thing in Vancouver we don't do good vibes very well so <laughs> we're, we're working through it all right now we got puck drop in less than an hour here which is I know it's it's much harder for you and Bruff to do radio when there's nothing to be cynical about listen I know I, I can relate but looking at this team man like what is everyone's talking about the Pacific division, right? About how great it is this year and how many contenders there are. And it's a lot tougher than it has been for them, but it feels like things have gone wrong for the Canucks in the recent past. If everything breaks right, are they a team that can not just sneak in, but actually contend? I think they're a team that can sneak in. Okay. Like, I, I mean, as much as I love the two and O start, I am cognizant of the fact that there's still 80 of these bad boys left. So like, there's a lot to go here, but I mean, Rutherford said that exact thing is like, look, if everything goes right for this team, we feel it's a team that should be in the playoffs. And there's been some hand-wringing locally about, is this the right way to try and go about competing for a cup? And don't you have to try and build a much more stronger, solid team as opposed to one that just gets in and rolls the dice? But the counter-argument to that is, well, you're not winning a cup unless you get into that group of 16 that gets to compete for it. So it's been an interesting debate and dynamic locally about, you know, is this the right way to go about it? But I think most people can agree the, the team has enough talent, especially at the key positions, and has made enough additions to, especially on the penalty kill. I mean, penalty kill was atrocious last year. That if everything does go right, they should be a playoff team. The big part, of course, is like, is everyone going to stay healthy? Is Demko going to hold up over the course of a season? Can, can, you know, all these questions. But again, if those questions are answered in the positive, then I think a lot of people do kind of think, yeah, this will be a playoff team. We're talking about Mike, Mike Halford, uh, co-host of Halford and Bruff on Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Uh, Mike, we saw a, a trade today, uh, a depth trade, 
obviously, uh, Mark Friedman comes along with Ty Glover, a guy that's uh, in Wilkes-Barre, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the word on Glover is he's a big, strong, fast guy, uh, which maybe lends again towards a Rick Tockett type of uh, hockey player. But uh, what, do you, what do you make out of it uh, with uh, Rathbone and Carl Plasic uh, going the other way? Well, if there's any player that's played for Pittsburgh for the last four or five years, there's a pretty good chance that he's going to end up in Vancouver right now because between Alvin and Rutherford and all their ties to the Penguins organization, like they've gone down this road a few times now. Before this, the most recent one was the guy that you're familiar with, uh, Sam Lafferty, right? So, I mean, this is kind of what they do is they, lo- they love the familiarity of their old organization. As I understand it, the, the key to the whole thing was the defenseman, Mark Friedman, who's one, a right-hand shot, and that's a big thing for a team that doesn't really have the right makeup right now roster-wise to go lefty-righty, lefty-righty consistently. They're kind of patching holes, and they're trying to find as Noah Juleson's been playing, and I, I think a lot of people realize that he's not going to be a long-term solution. Not that Friedman is, but that's going to be – I think you could see more moves like this. They really need to fix their defense. Like I don't think the blue line, even with Friedman in the mix, is constructed – well enough to be anything more than a team that kind of edges into the playoffs. But, I mean, there's been talk that once Ethan Bear gets over his off-season shoulder injury and surgery that he'll be signed and he'll join the fold. I wouldn't be surprised if there was another move in the making. You know, you hear lots about the pending Connor Garland trade, and that might be able to fetch them a depth defenseman in return. But this deal today, was, I think it was largely about getting Friedman, a guy who's played some of the neighborhood is 60 or 70 NHL games. So it adds another smaller piece to a back end that does need some improvements. The Canucks are going to get through this season. A lot of talk about Quinn Hughes and who is, who would be ideal long-term as a defense partner. Uh, Heronic, uh, uh, the answer is, uh, is like, you know, who's the answer is a, a guy like Chris Tanov. That wouldn't he be perfect for Quinn? Hughes? Yeah, they already had him, which was a real bummer. They just should have kept him. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's been, it was the most pressing sort of, uh, inside baseball type hockey conversation that we had during the preseason. We, we went deep and dug deep on who's going to play with Hughes and how it impacts everything. I think the problem with putting Heronic there is, your two best defensemen are on the pairing now. Like you want Ronick to have his own pairing and carry it in the top four. But right now they're sort of doing, I mean, talking came up with this idea. I think part of it was spin, but whatever it's worked for him was they're going to defend by committee to start. So we're not going to have any true set pairings. We're going to work everything on the fly. Adam Foote's going to come up with some ideas and we're going to move a bunch of guys around. And then Susie got hurt. So that kind of further complicated things. So at the end of the day, just to start the year, they're like, you know what? Let's just play Hughes and Hronick together and see what happens. And I think that'll be okay for a little while. But you do want a more traditional pairing in terms of, you know, this is our top guy, Quinn Hughes. We need an old, trusty, reliable to play alongside him. And they don't have that yet. I don't know if that materializes during the season. Uh, I think it may be this defense by committee thing a little bit longer than anybody anticipated. But you're right. The best guy to probably do it is now a member of the Calgary Flames, and that's unfortunate because you need that kind of prototype right now. And it's just not available on the open market, at least as far as I can tell. So a couple times, a coach is coming in Vin Savior. We had Bruce, there it is, there with Boudreaux, who took the shackles off and let everyone go, and then all of a sudden it was a bit of a tire fire the next year. It didn't work um, as much as, you know, he is still beloved, and you know a lot of people think a very good coach. Rick Talkie comes in and makes his own changes 
you know, what what's different under Talkit, and do you think it's more sustainable than the short-term success of the past with Boudreaux? I mean, Talkit's been big on preaching structure yeah. and knowing where to be and having systems in place. And it was funny, you know, the first few weeks after Boudreaux's exit, we heard stuff from players who were like, oh, like we did a film session and now we know where we're supposed to be on the ice. And there was a rather infamous practice where Talkit literally stopped the entire thing and was pointing out exactly on the ice where everybody needs to be. And Bruff and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, this feels like the kind of thing you're supposed to do in September, not in the middle of the season. So there was obviously a lack of structure and systems play under Boudreaux, which is understandable. I mean, you hire Bruce Boudreaux to coach a certain way and you can't expect him to do something entirely different than what he's done to get 600 or 700 wins in the NHL. So those are the two big ones in terms of structure and accountability and discipline and systems. And then, you know, I think kudos to talk it in this group is they looked at last season and realized they had one of the worst penalty kills in the modern era of the NHL. Like it was going back to like, I don't know what the Montreal Maroons did percentage wise <laughs> back in the day, but if it was bad, the Canucks might've surpassed it. Cause it was awful. They were flirting with like 60% on the kill. So Tockett and again, Rutherford and Alvin too. I think they all realized that this wasn't going to be fixed with structure and systems. They needed to add personnel and they needed to add guys. So they went and got Teddy Bluger and they went and got Ian Cole and uh, Carson Susie. And then they picked up Lafferty, all guys that could, that knew how to kill penalties had done it in their NHL careers. And we're going to add to this group. And yeah, the, the, the kills, you know, I mean, it was tough to start with Edmonton. The numbers don't really bear it out, but the penalty kills looked a thousand times better than it did last year. So that's another thing that talk. It's really improved as well. You know, it wouldn't be a, a leaf season without talking about a, a star UFA potentially leaving. Uh, so where's, is, where's is this with Patterson? How, how much of a sore subject is it in Vancouver? Yeah, it's a funny one, right? I mean, technically he's an RFA, so there's a little bit more complexity to it than he can just bolt at the end of the year. Like, club, const- club control still comes into it. But there is a sense of... But he can force well, a trade. He, yeah, he's wanting to see where, if he wants to be around. And now the counterpunch is Elliot Friedman had that report a few days ago on 32 Thoughts that, well, maybe the Canucks are waiting to see if they're interested in a long-term thing. And I think okay. a lot of it yeah. comes down. Da- a lot of it comes down to this year. A lot of it comes down to, well, look, if we finish this season and we're an- another 75 to 80 point team and we're way out of the playoffs, what are we doing here with this group? Like long-term, what exactly are we trying to accomplish? Because these guys aren't young pups anymore. Hughes and Demko and Pedersen, who are the big three have been around for a while and there hasn't been a ton of success. And I'll say this, uh, Pedersen right now is playing like a guy who not only understands his worth and how much he could uh, earn anywhere and how much sway he could have. Uh, he's starting to become one of those guys that's talked about as, does he have the 200 foot game to be in the Selkie conversation? Could he be the, one of those elite guys in the Pacific division where the center's, at the top of the heap right now are Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. And that's what the Canucks need him to be, to be competitive in the division, but it's also going to cost them a lot of money when they want to do a deal because he's pricing himself into the 10 per 11 per a year right now. Or, I mean, it could even get higher, who knows, but it's a fascinating dynamic. It's one of those things that people are kind of blocking out right now because those aforementioned good vibes, like we want to keep those going. So it's, it's not, 
toxic. It's not uh, acrimonious yet, but there is that looming consternation that that deal remains unsigned and it's not done yet. And no one's exactly sure what direction it's going to take. At 27 years old, Thatcher Demko is a six foot four goaltender with a nine eleven career save percentage. He, you know, damn near Vesna worthy in some seasons last year. Not so much. He's a nine Oh one, uh, had a great first start here. You know, what do you think happened last year? Is he still in that tier of the elite elite goaltenders in the NHL? He's real good. He's yeah. real good. Last last year, I'm prepared to throw the entire thing out and possibly never look at it again because it was so bad. <laughs> okay. So he got he was dealing with health problems. He was hurt for a long stretch of it. When he was healthy under Boudreaux, the team was just playing pond hockey in front of him, and there was nothing he could really rely on as to like predictability. Like you know, second chances would come from angles you've never seen before. You know, bleeding opportunities were like I've never seen one like that. Like it was very hard to get a, a read on your team as a goalie because they were just running all over the place and making mistakes left and right. And I think that sort of bore itself out when he got hurt. And then Colin Delia and Spencer Martin came in and it just routinely five and six goals against per night. So everything about last year was bad. I think Demko is, you know, I I'd put him in the top. 10 of goalies in the league when he's on his game he could be even higher but he's so hugely important to this team right i mean we've seen him carry long stretches when he's durable and he's right he can go and be the kind of guy where you can backstop over the course of 12 straight 14 straight where they were you know those those streaks you need in the nhl where you win seven of eight or nine of ten and you need to chunk those together to be a playoff team he's the guy that can do that because he is that good he does have that kind of focus and for the most part of his career he's been pretty healthy last year was an aberration so i'm a big demko guy uh i'm hoping that he can remain healthy this year because it's a huge key to the canucks making the playoffs all right, Mike, enjoy the game. It's uh, just under 45 minutes to puck drop. Really appreciate your time. Keep up the great work on your show on Sportsnet 650. Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for having me. Thanks, bud. Mike Halford. Halford and Bruff. Bruff. That's, uh, you know, he paints a fair picture of the Canucks, I think, as a talented team who can be frustrating at times. A lot of potential if they're healthy and everything breaks right for them. But, I mean, the parity that this league has created, we talked about this last night in the box a little bit, it's like there's 25 of the same team. There's a million teams that they all just look really similar. They're all kind of the same thing. And yeah. I don't hate saw, that take at all. Well, it's true. And, you know, you can talk about building down and building up with elite guys and getting draft luck and getting studs, but like at some point, you got to get in the playoffs. Look at what Florida did last year. Look what these teams do. They sneak in, they take long runs. Pedersen in a position this July 1st to sign a long term contract. If not, he goes into his final year. One of those can't miss 18 year olds where they don't see a, a second in the minors. Yeah. And you blink. And seven years later, you owe him a lot of money. This guy <laughs> can walk out the door and all that development and time and love can be lost. If he puts together another hundred point season here, can he get to 12 million with new money coming in? Well, yeah. I mean, why why not, right? You're talking about a guy, he, he mentioned himself, Selkie Trophy contender, young prime years. He only has another year or two of RFA, I think, so you're buying all UFA years. He's in that class of guys for sure. 
Oh, I sent you that video of him hitting someone. If he starts playing physical and shutting guys down defensively. Well, he's, he's gotten stronger. We know that. Yeah. he's. Uh, I like him a lot. I love watching him play. For sure. He's definitely one of the must-watch NHL players. Yeah, and like... Same with Hughes. Like, they've got some fun guys to watch. Demko's really good when he's How on. How about that Mikheyev? And he's not even in the lineup. You get Lafferty flying around out Mikheyev. there. This team's a blast. Mikheyev. That's one, of, that's one guy I have never thought of once since he left. And Lafferty's such a pocket-type I mean, sure. of player, too. Lafferty is. Yes. We got to yeah. get talking on the you, show. You know, where, you know where Lafferty's going? To the net. He's going to dump it in for check, then he's going to the net. Of course, Talkett's going to love that. The... The Canucks gain was our incredible loss of not having Talkit on the show anymore. Yeah, with a real Kipper and Bourne show really took it oh, all there. Was, man, he was so good. And then he he always texts me back, and then it just the, the text backs and callbacks started drying up. I was like, ah, Talkit's getting, <laughs> getting, getting, getting a job. He's getting a job. He's got a job. He's got a job. Something's happening here. Hits with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know how many years ago it was like one night I'm working a game with uh, Mike Keenan, and the next day. I don't know, six, eight hours later, he's being introduced as the next coach of the Boston Bruins. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm going to mention that. Hey. <laughs> All right, I love it. Um, before we go to uh, your segment, uh, yep. game time, uh, Corey Perry. Mm. Uh, one Perry. of those guys that Heart just soul. won't go away quietly. I, you mentioned game time, and I have a great regret of not thinking of this last night. Betting on a Perry goal. Yeah. He just, he comes into the building, like you said, if you're a Leaf fan listening right now and Corey Perry gets traded to somewhere at the deadline that's going to be in the Leafs division or maybe play him in the playoffs, stop with the booing. It is so embarrassing. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. It's exactly what he wants. He has won. That They're is the bo- ultimate goal, the ultimate compliment you can pay him. And he's scoring goals. He's pointing to the missing curfew guys in the crowd. He's loving life. Shout he's, to them, by the way. Yeah, like he's... He's the man, and I never liked him. He's a London Knight through and through. Like, he really, I've really always hated his guts. But as he's gotten to this point of his career, like, I just, I can't do it anymore. And the worst part is everyone knows the Leafs could have had him. It's sickening. He wanted to come here a couple it's years ago. sickening. And they sickening. chose not to it make, it, If there's anything that keeps me up at night, it might be that. They, they it's would, sickening. They, they would have beat Montreal uh, if you would have just... Well, yeah, I mean, had him. I mean, I, he wouldn't. I, have, he wouldn't honestly need Tavares right. in the in the bean. So I, that probably would have been. Oh, a start. yeah, that might that would have changed the ultimate yeah. reality where Perry's not on the Canadians yeah. changes things pretty quickly. That would have helped. Would you not? Uh, you think he's got a good spot where he is right now? I, I know the four million is just no, it's for, way too much. Oh, I know oh, okay, it is, okay, but okay. it's for the floor. It's yeah. just to not commit to, to other to contracts, to but you know, can you see him with Connor Bedard still? Does he have that in his game? You think? No. I mean, I don't think. So Donato's okay for you and Taylor Hall? I wouldn't mind him with Perry. I think I, Perry's I think got his good. IQ's he's got great offensive instincts. Those two other guys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're offering me pretty limited sides for my stakes uh, here. I know, I know. <laughs> you know. I know, but like, just potato. Yeah, sometimes you, you just <laughs> you know. got to have a potato. No garlic mash. <laughs> no, no garlic mash. <laughs> don't even cook it. No asparagus. <laughs> just put no it on the plate. Brussels sprouts. I'm just oh, giving you buddy, a those... big potato hey, the brussels sprouts in the alumni box that was the highlight of the food i think yeah. my f- i think it's maybe the most underrated veggie people hate on it i love it it was really nice and i told you shout out to cumbrae's with the brussel and pork belly oh, baby i gotta have that all right it's time for game time presented by bet365 visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at bet365 must be 19 plus ontario only please play responsibly 
couple quick ones for you today. Because the Leafs had a stinker last night, so I thought it was a good time to look at the Atlantic Division and the odds to win the Atlantic Division. Okay. The Leafs are the favorite to win, uh, plus 150. Okay, that changed after last night, didn't no, it? Not? They're still the favorite. They were always the favorite to win the division. But that's, I think the odds are a little better. But here's <laughs> okay. the question. What, so it's Boston's next Tampa, Panthers, Buffalo, Ottawa, Red Wings, Habs, all in order. Is there anyone other than the Leafs that you can see winning this division? Because yeah. to me, it's like the, the rest of them have gotten way worse. Is Tampa way worse? Yeah. Are they? Just in that. Yeah, for a couple months. Remember when Boston was without Bergeron and Marchand to start the season last year for two months? Mm-hmm. And then they're the best teams on earth? Yeah. I just, like, the goaltending concern didn't go away in those first couple of games for Tampa. No, it didn't. They gave up so, 14 goals. And Vasilevsky's going to come back after so least, super, by the way, 13. After he comes back after super serious surgery, two months off, he's going to come back, hit the ground running. Like, you know, it's, yeah. to me... I think they're still Tampa, and I watch them play, and it's like they're still Tampa, and then the puck goes down in their offensive zone, and a wrister from the top of the circle goes in. You're like, oh, that's not Tampa. Right. I tell you what, once you get past the, the goaltenders, and, you know, the good thing is for Tampa, they're not involved in the power play. Right. Because that power play is still filthy. Scary. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just pointing Sorelli and Sergachev and Orhedman and Kucherov and Stamkos and whoever they want to put out they, there. They, Paul being a mutant Braden in front of the net just – I can't recall ever seeing a power play uh, disguise their th- the shot or the threat. That's Kucherov. It's just so yeah. dynamic. He's got the best fake in the league. You yeah. have no idea where it's going. No idea. Yeah. Shot, pass, so you, return feed. So Tampa, five and a half to one to win that division. It's just the Leafs, I, right? Yeah. But are the Leafs, the Leafs are good, though? Yes. You're looking at <laughs> uh, No, they are. They're, they're, they've given up 13. They've scored 13. Yeah, they're they're good. They're really good. Okay. They will knock on the door of ninety five to hundred points. Tampa or the Leafs? The Leafs. Yeah. Oh, that's low. You, low, you, low. Well, what did they finish last year? One hundred five. Seven. One hundred seven. Something like that. Didn't they set the regular season record for points last year? Two years ago. Oh, it was a year before. Oh, Two uh, years ago. Last year they had one hundred and eleven points. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. So many. No, I, I, I'm not. Uh, but you gotta you gotta understand that teams are now. Getting better. Ottawa's getting better. Yeah. Montreal, uh, better. Well, okay. maybe not. But yeah, I, but we had yeah, Kirby better. Doc out now. But more competitive. Detroit, yeah. Pretty, pretty better. good the other night. Yeah. Better. So the, they're, they're losing points. Yeah, you're not getting the freebies, but the, the reality is the Leafs never took the freebies anyway. Yeah. And then last night, you know, we did all the, we talked for an hour about it. And then it's just like, you know, that's just a vintage Leafs loss. Yeah. On a Monday night against a bad team. You just don't have to work quite as hard to get to the net or mentally because it's yeah. a bad team and all of a sudden you get no luck. And one more quick thing before we go Hold on. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, do, no, no conversation at all about Boston and wh- what happens to Boston this year without... They're the second favorite, by the way. Without Patrice and uh, and Krejci and Matthew uh, po- Poitras, right? Junior kid. Much like... Yeah, it's Marchand... Much Poitras, like Minton talk about 19-year-old second-rounders, yeah. this guy is now with uh, with Brad Marchand on a line. Yeah. And they're 2-0. and Nice start to the season for them. It right. is. But, yes, they're a lot thinner. A lot thinner. And Nick Foligno had a great year for them last year, and Taylor Hall was effective for them, not to mention the, you know, the, the big names they lost. So their decor is still really good. Their goalies are still really good. They're going to get 100 points. Yep. All right, you got one more for us? Yeah, quick one. Four. 
uh, Oilers tonight uh, in Nashville. Yeah. I like a Connor McDavid goal in the first period, four to one. Four to one. Yeah, they're bi- they're pissed. Yeah. And Connor's pissed. And the co- yeah, and, that's yeah. really good. Point. They're not Oilers that, are they're great. Not great. I, I can't see Connor and, and Leon zero uh, and three to start the no. season. And I feel like the poor old Preds are gonna take the take the slap here. The brunt them. of the yeah. aggression. All right. And that was game time presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary to bet at th- Bet365. Okay, be plus. still some fun conversations to come up uh, after the break, including uh, Timo Meyer. New Jersey spent a ton of money on this guy. And uh, already Lindy Ruff, head coach, not happy with him. Sit down, son. Sit down, son. We'll talk about his benching, Kuznetsov. Pretty dynamic player for the Washington Capitals, yet remains the slowest <laughs> penalty shot Boo. in history. I, I want to get your thoughts on that as well. So plenty more still. So stick around on Real Kipper and Bourne. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, just going to break. We discussed uh, the New Jersey Devils, and what are they? One, one, and one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Kipper, Not horrible. He pours over the standings every day. Not horrible. <laughs> and check this out here. Yeah, like, one, one, one. They they signed Timo Meyer, and obviously, when you trade for him, you want to do whatever you can to keep a big guy like that, but. Already benched by Lindy Ruff, I think he all he got all but one shift in the third period, and was not shy to tell people that uh, hey, you got to play, got to play in your own zone, you got to play defense here. Like that, this one surprises me only because we're barely a, a week and a half into the season. That's a statement. But, at this you point know, you got to make that statement early before it becomes a problem. There are a few games into their season. Lindy Ruff has a nice long contract. This guy's going to be here for a nice long time. You know, this is an important part of their relationship where he says, you're going to be here. You're going to have to play how we want to play. That's just, or you won't play. Well, one of the things that... It's so old school. Yeah, I know. Lindy's old school. How old's Lindy? 70? The younger generation coaches, I think, are worried about hurting players' feelings. Well, has that not been a debate with Sheldon in the past? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you tell these superstar players to take a seat? Lindy Ruff, age 63. Oh, I yeah. apologize, Oof. Lindy. Lindy's, My bad, Where did you have him at? 70. It's kind of a random <laughs> exaggerate oh, for God. argument's sake. I, I'm, tag, Seven I'm texting Lindy. You know, I thought Lindy, he, play, he was like besties with Bree's dad, with Clark. So yeah. I thought they were about what, the same age. What's the clip of... Uh, him, who's it that he goes after the goalie? Is it Billy Smith? The clip there's like Lindy an ama- going after a goalie. There's an amazing clip of Lindy going after a goalie. Like the guy like slashes him. There's like a fight with a ten. Actually squares off. I think I, I remember the clip. Yeah, yeah. Lindy's not afraid. Is yeah. the point? Yeah. The the theory. All I'm saying if if he's old school enough to fight See, with Billy the, Smith, the old, he's old school. <laughs> the, the old <laughs> by definition. The old school theory is if you really want to. Pound a message home to your players. Take away the one thing that means the most to them. It's the only thing you can really control. Ice time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Like, a fairly young team. 
just recently the expectations went to a legitimate level for the New Jersey Devils. Mm-hmm. Taking a run at one of your highest paid players like that, like it, it sends a huge message to the rest of the team, yeah. including Jack, Jack, right? Yeah. They, yeah, it could be anyone, pal. Uh, I think that's fair to say. You know, he hasn't had a great start to his time with the Devils. He, you know, is a point-per-game guy in San Jose uh, for a couple of years, almost exactly a point-per-game, 35, 31 goals. He only had 14 points in 21 games of them last year. He had four points in 11 playoff games. This year he's got no points in three games. Like, they're, it's time to say we gave you all the money, time to, to give back to us. Um, so a couple things here. Takes I regret is saying that, like, oh, Willie and they should be paid around the same thing. They're similar players. Him and Meyer? Yeah. Yeah, they're not he the same player. He is much better than Timo it's Meyer. Not, it's not even close. And like, they're different. Uh, one's heavier. One plays more with straight lines, I think, mm-hmm. compared to Willie, who's, like, one of those dynamic skaters. Yeah. God, all I know is Willie's luck of, lucky Jacob Truba wasn't on the other side of the Blackhawks on the Tavares goal last night, or he could have been Timo Meyer'd. Um, I'm just... Now, and the second thing I want to bring up, uh, the highlight of the YouTube video is Billy Smith high sticks Lindy Ruff in the eye. <laughs> and then the video of them is them rolling around on the ice fighting each other. So there you go. You That's know, old school enough. Yeah, my mom has a great Billy Smith story. My dad gets traded to the Kings. Billy Smith, my dad's doing a wraparound, swings a stick, catches my dad across the bridge of the nose and just shatters it. And my mom, when Billy's coming off the ice, in gear, my mom's chasing them down the hallway to yell at their friend of 12 years, Billy Smith. And I was like, <laughs> easy lady. You know, <laughs> like it's the NHL. That hilarious. That's incredible. Yeah. Who was it? Somebody got their arm shattered on the Leafs back in the day when somebody did that stick swing. Was the it? Old stick swing. Yannick Perot, maybe. Anyways. I think you go to jail if you did that now. Oh, someone's wrapping it around. <laughs> I know. It's a crazy dangerous oh, move, yeah. especially with like with your... those st- goalie sticks. God, yeah. they're like made they're... of oak. And the way the stick, like, because if you're coming around the net, the way your stick is, it's almost like a ramp. Yeah. Right? So you're swinging it, and it just ramps up into your face and arms. Unsafe. Not good. Not a good play. Oh. All right. Last night, Calgary Flames and the Washington Capitals. Mm. Pretty good game. Goes into a shootout. And all anyone wants to talk about is, once again, witnessing Kuznetsov's approach to a shootout opportunity and it violates the spirit of the event he scored i'm sorry it violates the spirit of the event it's a it's horrible is that in the rule book he is supposed to be replicating a breakaway what constitutes a breakaway no person chasing you or or at least room to get off a shot because that's actually keep going that should be the way. Yes. I'm I'm sorry i I will define it for you are there speed limit signs on the way to the net, you don't be. like what he's doing. You're not going to argue that. You're arguing oh, this no, for the no, sake no. of arguing it. I- I'm good with it. Oh, it's garbage. You're, you're lying. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Kip, it's not the sport of hockey. What what he's doing? The idea is he's taking a rush and he's allowed to get an opportunity. The object of the ev- event for a shooter is to put the puck in the net. There are hard rules in it where you cannot <laughs> Not stop enough. and you cannot go backwards. No point is he doing well, he's basically those. Stopped. He's basically stopped. No, he's not basically, he's basically stopped. Okay? He's not. 
This is like hey. this. What your your argument here is the I'm not touching you sibling argument. Yeah. We're going. I'm not touching you. I'm going to punch air. Yeah. Women, have, it's technically women not don't violating get anything. Pregnant. They either <laughs> are or they're not. And either he has stopped or he's going backwards or he's not. Is he going very slow? Does he put the puck in the net, which he's supposed to? Yes. Would it be that bad for us to say you got five seconds or ten? Whatever the number is, oh my God. you got you got a shot, a clock. shot clock. Give me a shot clock. Would Give me that. a shot clock for real. I'm not joking. I think seven and a half seconds. I think that's crazy. It's not crazy. You're on. You're supposed to be simulating a play from a hockey game, which is you've broken free just, from the D. You're getting a shot. At the end of the day, just stop the puck. Stop. How the puck. do you stop? It's can not. I tell you that's not a situation though? goalies can, have to deal with. Can we not just for a second? Just hold on. Yeah, go ahead. Can we just not for a second, like, acknowledge how friggin' fast his hands have to be to go that slow and to beat a good goalie? Like, that is a skill on its own. Yes. I go that slow. <laughs> the puck's a square. It's done. <laughs> Maybe six pieces. <laughs> but that alone, for me, is a skill that... At the end of the day, just stop the puck, goalie. Whether he's coming a thousand God, miles an hour fall or going slow, I'm sorry, but your your job's still to stop it. So no, it's. I'm I don't, not saying optically it's the best look, yeah. But the object of the event is to put the puck in the net, and he did it last night. He is very technically skirting rules that we maybe need what, to tweak so he stops here? being able to but do the it. Thing where? That, what, what is he skirting? He's not going backwards. what a shootout shot is. I understand it's legal. I'm sorry, I didn't see that definition in the rule book. That's because it's legal. It's just painful. It was also legal for pitchers to spend a minute and a half between pitches in Major League Baseball and everyone went, hey, this sucks. Remember what if we stopped this? Remember when everyone's like, it's going to kill the drama in the playoffs. I'm like, how is there not a shot clock or a pitch clock forever? But the thing I concerns me about what you're saying is there's one guy who does this, and it's Kuznetsov. It's like he also goes, Patrick Kane. Yeah, and they a lot of these guys like don't get me started on the shootout. They all everyone's trying to reinvent the wheel. But like if we change it for one guy, yeah, then it's like bordering on us having the hellish offside review because Matt Duchesne was offside by ten feet one time, where it's like. We may be scared to put a new rule in because one guy is abusing it. I have a conclusion. I uh, think I've lost the debate. The chaser? I think I've lost the debate. The chaser's an interesting one. Yeah. But Having a guy start at the blue line? At the end of the day, right? yeah. You, yes. Yeah. So he can toe pick and go uh, into the boards a thousand a miles an hour. <laughs> Come on. Now we're getting a little crazy here and... I think it's an excellent point. We, we're not seeing an epidemic of guys going. Right. And it's if not everyone could do baseball. that, maybe they would. It's not baseball. Like, we're not leaving the rink going, you know, that, that game was Three two, and a half two, hour two, game because of Kuznetsov. Uh, two, two hours and 33 <laughs> minutes. And, oh, my God, it went to 234 because Kuznetsov's but, shootout. But, really, it's not changing the rules to say you got eight seconds to get from center to the net. Yeah. You know, or whatever the number is. I, it's, I was a season ticket holder for junior hockey through the 90s. I went to some four-hour games. There was a few fights. Oh, yeah. Good times. <laughs> Kelowna Rockets back in the oh, day. Yeah. Scott Parker yeah. and Todd Fedoric. There was, I had good there was not a ton of hockey being played in yeah. a lot of those. Anyways. Shout out Chris Millette, too. Yeah. All right. Did we beat that up? <laughs> like the puck. Like the puck well, when you yeah. want to break away. Did we, well, uh, did we 
Uh, you guys, okay, quickly. Did you come over my side a little bit? I d- actually did, unfortunately. I what's think I the lost. What's the state of the shootout to you guys these days? Because every guy I watch in the shootout, they swing way out wide along the boards. And to me, it's like, oh, they're trying to, you know, get the goalie going. Brad Richards, who was a really good shootout guy, uh, was uh, the Nielsen, Franz Nielsen. Franz Nielsen, TJ Oshie, Jeff Tambellini. They just skate down the middle of the ice, one quick shot, backhand, low blocker. Like, it's not, they're, everybody's trying to, like, reinvent the wheel. They're this not hard the to do. Canadian meat and potatoes guys, the numbers are too high. Well, they should just shoot it when they oh, come no. down the ice. Too but, many deakings. But, no, but it's like, they're, they're <laughs> all trying to do these crazy moves when, like, the most effective ones are shot fake backhand. Low blocker. Like, you guys played hockey. You know how to shoot the puck in the net. They're all trying to do these stupid things. Slow it down. Feed it up. Just skate fast and shoot it. It's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard. You guys are <laughs> NHLers. Like, has there not been, like, those heat maps to tell you where guys are most successful or not? Yeah. You, you need to find one tonight for me. All right. And well, bring it in tomorrow. You're curious. The data. I, am, I am curious. I mean, you're right that the best guys have been pretty efficient. Like, I, clo- I close my all eyes. Of them, I will say, Tambellini used to cut. Take, yeah. Like, they have a route. I close my it- eyes, though, and I think of Franz Nielsen, and I'm like, yep, backhand, top corner, everything. I named Redeem the blog backhand, backhand shelf on yeah. the score. Franz Nielsen was the logo. Yeah. He was like a 40% uh, conversion rate guy. Think of Taves coming in. Taves, hard, hard one, forehand upstairs. Yeah. Think of him in the World Juniors, him doing it. Comes down, scores three goals, basically the exact Hire same way. Hire Coach right Sammy, he'll teach your kids. Hey, I, no. <laughs> you don't want anything to do with my game of hockey. Maybe, maybe in the shootout. You know what I got out of that conversation? Nothing. Today's uh, <laughs> real Kipper and Bourne uh, word of the day is uh, root. It's a route. Yeah, you said route. Yeah. I say route. Oh. I don't even know. Don't right? get in my head about that. <laughs> Which is correct. I grew up half in the U.S., half in Canada, and I don't know how to say anything. Mazda, Mazda, pasta, pasta. I got nothing. I'm lost. Don't get it in my head. All right. Uh, nine games on tap tonight. Uh, the one that I think kind of, for me, is uh, watchable. It's a late one uh, on the west side, but it's the Stars and Vegas. Yeah. Conference finals rematch last year, right? There, that was the right. conference final. Right. Vegas is a plus one hundred at home. They're three and zero. They just won the cup. They're plus Big, money at home. Strong team. Yeah, that, teams. I mean, that is like the only game I can see this early season being like. I expect the under there. They both play really good defensively. You got Avalanche Kraken, which is good. Kings Jets is the Pierre Luc Dubois uh, revenge game. Revenge? Is he upset about leaving? I don't know. No, he's like. It's the thank God I'm out of here game. Yeah. He goes back to Winnipeg. And I wonder like, if the Jets will want to stick it to him a little bit. For sure. There's no question. Lightning Sabres. Sabres still still without a win. High expectations for yes. Buffalo this year, and they still yeah. aren't on the board. Yeah. Uh, Ottawa's got off to the start that everybody was looking for in terms of going to that next stage. Buffalo has a big signing, and uh, right now... They looked lost against the Rangers, but uh, they looked at least better in the follow-up game. Well, you know, with the the Sabres team, I've I feel like I'm starting to get frustrated. For years, the Jets I always felt were close, and then they didn't add and get better, like just push them over the top. This Buffalo team has been doing this slow rebuild thing for a while now. Mm-hmm. Like, can we start to tape on some outside pieces now? Like, they have the it's only Chicago below them on cap friendly in terms of what they're spending this season. You know, they're a rare team with room. 
I really feel like they need to start making a couple of trades and just grab a few more guys here. Yeah. They're close, man. They're close to being a good team, and you don't want to get out to some 0-5 start and be you, digging all year. It's a sneaky big one for that. Like, if they go to like, 0-3, does not look good. You know, you're just you're, – and if Tampa goes 1-3, and 3, it's like, oh, well, they're, you're, you're in a little bit of a hole there. I don't know. It's, I know oh, it's so you're early, 0 but 3, like, all of a sudden you win 5 in a row, and you're still yeah, – you know, you're know. barely in a playoff and spot. So The Sabres have had awful starts, like, all the time. No. It feels like – no. Oh, They've been good. Oh, they've had the good starts, and then, and they, then they, they blow they, it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. They got mixed up. Because didn't they win, like, 10 in a row to start at one point? Like, they've had some really good they've starts. Been, yeah, near the top of the division, near end of October in the past. So maybe this is just a reverse. Levi is, we think, arguably uh, the, the goalie that was most ready to come in outside of the NHL, mm-hmm. but still young. Did you buy into that? Goalies don't really find out who they are until 25 or 26 because they've got this guy at uh, the fast lane at Disneyland right now. The rookie goaltenders who've come in and excelled seem to have come from overseas at like 25, right? Like you don't see a lot of like 21-year-old kids step in and just kill it. So, yeah, it's a big ask for a young guy. And obviously Tampa needs a win tonight too. So this will be be on the radar to say the least. Oh, you know what? Speaking of uh, trying ways to speed up the game outside of Kuznetsov's Uh-oh. penalty uh, or shootout. Oh, my God, last night. was last night, <laughs> right? I went home. Where <laughs> you, you, were, you didn't see this. I didn't see it. it was you want to talk about keeping people in a building unnecessarily. Like, so two, off, two, two offsides. Taylor Hall. Challenges. On an empty netter, he was offside. Okay. I don't know how the hell so, that happened, but... Yeah. So we saw two offside challenges, but these weren't club challenges. The league. They were league challenges. The league challenged themselves, <laughs> and thank goodness and won. they won. They won both what, their own challenges. Wrong? Challenged themselves, yeah. But, like, okay, so you the league calls down and says, we may have an offside, but we're going to check our own... Yeah. Challenge. Why don't you just name the challenge right away and keep the game moving here? Yeah. You know, they say when you go to a sporting event, you may see something you've never seen before. And I've never, we'll never seen see, that We'll never see again. Two league-issued challenges on offsides in the last minute of a For hockey game. game that's over. over. Like, completely over. It yeah. was, uh, talk about delaying the inevitable. It yeah. delayed the inevitable. And they actually scored to make it 3-2 with six seconds left. And they're like, oh, maybe. And then they... Played the new goal song, Panama, a couple times, and away we went. But, By the yeah. way, new goal song last night, Panama. Oh, it's Kipper. We new. Should, oh. You know, in, in your Toronto Star articles, you have Kipper's Corner. This should be the new Kipper's Corner. Just that, talking about the goal song. I don't give a damn about no, the, the goal, goal song. song. Panama is a great one. That's Panama, a really, really good song and a great you are a skid. Why? Owen <laughs> <So laughs> <and> Sound <laughs> jamming a Panama. Okay, who doesn't love Panama? Yeah. It's a, it's this a, is going to be all season long, this conversation. It's oh, a yeah. shame. You know, uh, Sammy said in the way to the goal game songs. that it, the goal song is like uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. When you say we have two quarterbacks, <laughs> that means you have zero. Yeah. When you say you have six goal songs like the Leafs, that means <laughs> you don't have a goal song. So isn't, that, isn't that the same thing with uh, goalies, right? Yeah, That's, we have right? two starters. Have, yeah. Oh, so you don't have no, a starter? Yeah. You don't have one good one. That's Panama. what it means. It's a good song, man. It just is. I guess. Better than right. dupe, dupe, whatever the other one was. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so the league, so, you know, I, I wait for the referee to say upon 
for the review. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were wrong. <laughs> Correct ourselves. <laughs> yes. After the that. goal stands. Yeah. <laughs> but it tells you something. But someone if, in the video room's yeah. fired. Well, no, if, if Jordan Bean isn't calling it in, okay. they're probably. I, I just would like to throw this out. Oh, sorry. You I was ahead. just going to say, for the record, too, by the way, I know every once in a while, like, you like to. Give credit to a guy like Sheldon Key for uh, making the call. Killing. He has nothing to do with no, those I know. calls. So Zero. shout out to Jordan Bean yeah. and his staff there. Is it Sam Kim maybe? Is he uh, the runaway favorite for being uh, he, for having the best record in the NHL? Sheldon Keefe has the best challenge success rate in NHL history, 93.8%, uh, which is presumably Bean and Andrew Brewer, who was there before, probably a part of that too, so... Uh, yeah, at least they're getting that right. That's an exhilarating job, being the guy that's like, you got to challenge this. It's, uh, I think it's Jay Woodcroft, Jeremy Collin, you know, like it's, those are high success rates. It's a good yeah. thing, right? You know, and then John Schneider is the exact opposite for the Blue Jays. He gets them all wrong. Does he? Yeah, yeah <laughs> And uh, everybody's at the mercy because they have cameras that we don't necessarily see right away. So Hawkeye, everybody's just guessing anyways. Yeah, I mean, the video guys, when they tell Sheldon it's off, it's off. Yeah. All right, just like that. Hour two gone. Mike Halford, thank you very much for coming on. We're getting ready for the Vancouver Canucks and the Philadelphia Flyers. Puck drop momentarily. Enjoy the game and enjoy eight more. And we're back tomorrow on Real Kipper and Bourne.